Brilliant. So, uh, well, we're going to look forward to that baptism in a little while. But I'm going to just explain, first of all, a little bit about what baptism is and what's involved with it. So I'd like to just read to you a passage from the Bible, uh, and it's in uh, Acts chapter 8. So let's just have a look at this in Acts chapter 8. It's a wonderful story. And uh, it starts in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. And so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading the passage of scripture, this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch said to Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again. But he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So that's our story today. And um, Kate and I, we had a weekend away uh, earlier this year in Chester, the city of Chester. And on the Sunday, we thought to ourselves, hey, it would be quite nice to go to the Evensong service in Chester Cathedral. I know, you, you would have thought, wouldn't have thought it for us, would you? So we went to this Evensong service, and um, we went to join in with the, uh, the service, which was up at the far end of the cathedral, and we found that we were not allowed to go in and join in. The reason was that they had invited dignitaries from the local city to come to this special Evensong service. And so we had to sit in this sort of separate section where we could hear what was going on over this kind of big, you know, the organ and the barriers, and we could see it on the television screen, but we couldn't actually be in the room experiencing it firsthand. And as with us, I was kind of feeling a bit miffed, but I was also sort of listening carefully and, and trying to get hold of what was being said and so on, and trying to get the most out of the, the meeting, even though we weren't really properly included. And it was rather ironic that at that service, they read out a passage from Ephesians chapter 2, 
which speaks about how the Gentiles, not the Jews, the Gentiles, were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, how they were foreigners, how they were without hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ, those who are far off, the Gentiles, have been brought near, have been brought in to the body of Christ because of Jesus. And it says that he himself is our peace, who has broken the wall, the barriers down. And as I was sitting there, I was thinking, I guess I know what these Gentiles must have felt like, kind of desperately wanting to be included, wanting to be inside, but actually feeling like an outsider. Now, the reader, the person that we're reading about this morning in this passage would have felt a bit of an outsider. Our character today was an important official. He was the chancellor to the queen mother, to Candice uh, or Kandake, uh, one of the, the, the queens of Ethiopia. And uh, we can actually see, I think, uh, a picture here which shows the area. In fact, it was more in Sudan than in Ethiopia that she had hailed from. And um, he had hailed from. And uh, we can also see a picture of one of these queens. It's a, it's a relief that shows uh, her there and her tomb, her pyramid, which is today in modern-day Sudan. But this important man, who was an official in her court, had traveled to Jerusalem to try and join in the worship of the people of God there in Jerusalem. But he was a foreigner, and so would have felt somewhat of an outsider. He would have been a black African and not a Jew, uh, because Jews wouldn't have made eunuchs of their people. And so he wasn't a Jew, but he was a God-fearer of some sort. He was a Yahweh-fearer. He wanted to be included, but also because he was a eunuch, he would have been barred from being allowed into the central sanctuary of worship at the temple because Deuteronomy banned uh, eunuchs from being allowed to join in. Now, Kids, if any of you need to know a little bit more about what a eunuch is, you can ask your parents later about that. But let's just have a look at what happened to this man. And first of all, we see that this man was traveling. And so he was traveling on a chariot. And uh, this was before there was a ban on people reading while they were driving, okay? So he was allowed to do it, except he probably wasn't driving anyway because he was an important guy and he had somebody uh, who was uh, there um, probably driving for him. So at leisure, he was reading as he was traveling along. Secondly, we see that he had been worshiping. He'd been there in Jerusalem trying to join in with the worship, even though, as we're going to see, he didn't really understand the, the, the truth, he didn't understand this message, but he was nevertheless trying to join in the worship. You might be someone like that here today, who kind of have joined in with our worship, you're part of the meeting, but actually you still think, I've still got questions, I don't understand, I'm still asking questions, and that's a good thing. It's fine to be joining in and yet still on a journey, traveling and wanting to learn more. So you're very welcome. In fact, all of us who are worshippers are still on a journey of learning. And so we thirdly see that this man was seeking. 
In verse 28, we read that he was reading from the scroll of the book of Isaiah. You see, this man was not content with just having joined in with the, with the worship. He wanted to understand. And so he was reading and seeking. You know, it's a great thing to have a growth mindset, to want to learn. Calvin said this, he said, so great a thing is the careful reading of scripture. It's a good thing to be seeking, to be asking, to be wanting to grow and to learn. But here's the interesting thing, because little does he know that not only is he seeking, but actually God is seeking him. Even more powerfully than the fact that he is seeking truth, God is seeking the man to follow him. You see, what had happened was this guy called Philip. Philip um, had started out in Jerusalem as one of the disciples. He'd become a deacon, and then he had gone to Samaria, where he'd started a revival in Samaria. But then a very strange command came. God told this man, Philip, to leave the party in Samaria and go to this desert road that went from Jerusalem to Gaza. You've got to admire Philip's obedience in obeying that command to just go to a road that goes to somewhere and it's just a desert road in the middle of the day. But he obeyed and he went. And so on this unlikely desert road, the paths of these two men just happened to cross. But of course, God was making it happen. You see, as he was traveling, God put someone in his path so that he might find out the truth. And then this seeker just happens to be reading Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is probably the perfect passage in the whole Old Testament to start from if you want to understand the gospel and understand about Jesus. That was the passage he happened to be reading because, again, God made it happen. You see, God has lined up this whole thing because God is seeking this one man, this outsider, this foreigner. He wants him to come in. It tells us in Luke 19 that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to seek out people who were lost, that they might be found, that they might come home. He wants us to come home. We heard that in the worship, didn't we? He wants us to come home. Do you know, the fact that you're here today, I don't think is a coincidence. I think it's partly because God wants you to be here. You may have your reasons, you've got good reasons to support people and so on, but we're here because God wants us to hear something. Because God is seeking after, he's after you. <laughs> he's the hound of heaven who is after us. And he cares for us and he wants to speak to us. And Lydia, Matthew and Elliot, they're all going to have stories to tell this morning where they're going to say how they happened to grow up in a Christian family or go to this meeting or speak to that person or whatever. And that was part of their journey. But 
God made it happen because he wanted them to be his. But it's not just a passive thing that God seeks us. We have to play our part, of course, and that's what this man is doing. He's seeking, he's reading. And then fourthly, we see that he is inquiring. He asks a question. It tells us in verse 30 that he asks the man, uh, Philip, a question. He says, um, well, he says to Philip, Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? How can I, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And so they sat together and he asked questions. What's this about? What does this mean? Who's this talking about? You know, it's good to ask questions. That's what happens on our Alpha course, by the way. People come and they ask questions. They can ask any questions. Nothing is out of bounds. We're there just to question, to ask. What's interesting about this man here is although he's an important official, he doesn't have a swollen head with confidence in his own abilities. As Calvin put it, this man uh, is willing to humble himself and to ask questions. Calvin goes on to say this, that is also why the reading of scripture bears fruit with such a few people today, because scarcely one in a hundred are to be found who gladly submit himself to the teaching. So this man is gladly willing to submit, to ask, to listen, to inquire. And what does he talk about? Well, it's that famous passage in Isaiah 53. That's what they've been reading. And in that passage, there is a tale of two sheep. In fact, we can just see a bit of an excerpt of that passage. It says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And it goes on to say, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. We have in that passage a tale of two sheep. Sheep like us, who've gone astray, each to our own way, and the Lamb of God, a lamb who was led to the slaughter. But he was led to the slaughter. He was crushed for our sins. He was punished to give us peace with God. And so it tells us in verse 11, finally there, that after his suffering, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and will bear their iniquities. In other words, if those who, those who believe in him can be justified. It's not in the original Greek, but it's quite a pithy way of remembering what justified means. It's just as if I'd never sinned. Jesus took our sins so that we could be declared clean. As these guys are going to be baptized today, it's a way of showing their sins have been completely washed away and they have been completely forgiven simply through their faith in Jesus Christ who took their sin 
for them. Do you know that he suffered for your sins? Do you know that he suffered so that you could be wiped clean, that you could be forgiven? And so we find that this man responds. And what does he do? We see, we find that he becomes a believer. Having heard this message, he starts to believe. That was enough. He heard the message. He didn't see any miracles. He didn't have a vision of Jesus, but he just heard the message. He simply believed it. And so it says that he saw some water and said, hey, why can't I be baptized? If I'm a believer now, why can't I be baptized? Now, it's not in the original early manuscripts, but there is a verse that has been inserted, and you'll see it in your footnotes, verse 37, which says this, that it, and it was probably inserted later as a sort of baptismal confession uh, because it was found uh, in manuscripts in sort of the second, third, fourth century. It was referred to as being included. And so what did, uh, it seems as if what Philip said to him was this. He said, why can't I be baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And the eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's what these guys believe. And as a result, they're being baptized today. And so it was time then for some baptizing. And so we see that this guy gets baptized. This traveler has become a believer. And now he's going to be baptized. You see, all of us, and these guys today who are being baptized, they've been on a journey they were a traveler, they started being worshippers, they were seekers, they were inquirers, and now they're believers. And so it's time to do some baptizing. We're allowed to be excited about that. And they're being baptized to show everybody that they are believers. See, their baptism is a sign. It's a sign that our sins have been washed away. It is a sign to show that our old rebellious self has been dead and buried. As we go down into the water, we have died to our old self. And it's a way of showing that they have been raised up to a newness of life with Jesus. And so finally, what happens to this man? At the end of this whole journey and this baptism, it tells us that he went on his way rejoicing. You see, something had happened to this man that day. Through believing, through his baptism, he was filled with the Spirit and he goes on his way rejoicing. And Irenaeus, one of the early church fathers, tells us that he went back to his home country and shared the good news of Jesus with courage and with power. You know, there's a long history in Ethiopia and in Sudan of Christianity in that region of North Africa, and it probably goes back to this guy. I even believe we may have someone from Sudan here today visiting us as it happens. I think that might be right. Is that correct, sir? That's amazing, isn't it? Because you're a neighbor who's staying with a neighbor 
and you heard about our meeting and you're here today from this area. Is that right? How about that, folks? Isn't that amazing? What's your, what's your name? Wow. What's your name? Robin. Oh, wonderful. Well, welcome. It's amazing to have you here. And it's just incredible that I felt led to share this passage today, and, and you're, you're with us today. As evident, you know, God cares about the nations. He cares about all of us. He cares about every one of us as individuals. Whatever your background, whatever your age, whatever your experiences, whatever journey you've been on to this day, whatever questions you've got, whatever um, uh, issues you have, God is wanting to bring you home. He's wanting to bring you in so that you're not an outsider, you're an insider, so that you are included, so that you can be a believer and so that you can go on your way rejoicing today. And so it's time to open the waters and to uh, get on with our baptizing. So I'm going to ask the stewards if they could uh, prepare for that. Uh, Whilst they do it, can I just lead us in prayer? Um, Let's just pray. Lord God, I thank you that you care for each one of us. We thank you for the way you got hold of this man and thank you that you've got hold of Lydia and Matthew and Elliot and thank you that you've got hold of us. And so we respond to you today. We want this not just to be their experience but our experience too. We also want to become believers and to be rejoicers as we follow you. And so we pray you'd help us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen.